listening to the Be Fox and Be Frank show. Lots to get to. There is some positives. There is some more depressing stuff. We'll start with the positive stuff. Um, that is basketball. We've got Mo Creek in a couple minutes of his time as he is preparing for the championship game of the basketball tournament. Sideline Cancer, 22 seed out of 24 teams, is going to be taking on the Marquette alumni team, Golden Eagles, tonight as you're listening to this on ESPN, 7 Eastern, 6 Central. Some are calling it the Tom Cream Bowl. Some. And those people would be me. Because he, he has former players on both rosters. But uh, from, a, from a larger point of view, this is an encouraging sign that we can get through, you know, a tournament, if not a full season of sports largely with with one notable exception largely unaffected by coronavirus yes i i'll say a couple things because just the the news coming out of the nba bubble is is all bad um yes there's nothing good coming from there There there's some some stark differences between the two obviously the nba bubble is down in florida not the greatest place to be right now in terms of coronavirus while the basketball tournaments up in Ohio, significantly different places, uh, significantly different settings, different groups of individuals, I would even go as far as to say. And I think that that is playing a huge factor. All that said, it comes down to people actually just paying attention and following the rules and credit to the guys in the basketball tournament for doing that. Because, you know, you're an adult, you, you obviously uh, care about the game, but at the same time, there there are outside factors and other things that you may want to do, see whatever it may be, um, that seem to be causing fits for the NBA at this point. So to be able to get through a tournament like this, while it is in a uh, truncated, I guess is the right way to say it, version, but it's it's encouraging. Like you said, I would all things aside, I would say this is encouraging. If if nothing else, it gives us a formula for moving forward. And like, maybe we can do some of these non-conference college basketball tournaments because all these teams will be like, maybe that is what it is. And that is the non-conference schedule. It is your tournament that you're in. I don't know, but that I would say this is a decent start. Yeah. And the, the only true casualty once the tournament got started was top five seed Everline drive. One of the, the title hopefuls, but um, can't really take any chances here. But overall, you can kind of see the testing numbers. They share pretty much every ESPN broadcast. The progression from you know, the, the test people were taking before they could even come to Columbus to, to start it to where we are today. Testing every day. Everybody's coming back negative. So they're clearly doing you know, something right there. And, yeah, it, it certainly helps – being in Ohio where Governor DeWine kind of took it more seriously than, than anyone initially is kind of somebody who came out and was saying before anybody, like, even if, you know, first four games happen, not going to have fans there like that. Um, so they're in a much better situation than Florida, who kind of celebrated a little too early, opened up for sports, and now it's just a hotbed and I – I, I don't see how that is going to finish there. But 
the, even the MLS who's already started down there is yeah. really struggling. I mean, they've postponed like three or four games already. It doesn't seem like anything's getting easier. And I, I mean, it's just, it's hectic. You're trying to have two separate bubbles in the same place. Right. That's, that's destined to fail. Right. Um, but sports that are actually happening, the basketball tournament, um, it's, like you said, abbreviated only, I mean, depending on the year, give or take a third of the teams, 24 compared to normal, 64 or even, you know, there have been years when it's been as many as 97, all going for the uh, 1 million winner-take-all prize. And there, there's, been, there's been some drama this year. A guy by the name of Joe Johnson decided, what the hell, suit up. Um, for overseas elite who had won it four years, four out of the first five years, lost in the semifinals the last two years, um, typically have, you know, college basketball royalty like DJ Kennedy, Kyle Fogg, DeAndre Kane. Um, different look this year, but with Joe Johnson just scoring 35 again, kind of thought they would get back to that point. Sideline cancer made them their fourth upset victim. Um, Mo Creek hitting a contested three in the Elam ending to send satellite cancer to the championship game. Um, and I mean, that's a, uh, that's a team playing for, you know, a, a big chunk of their winning potential winnings to go to pancreatic cancer research. So another reason to root for them, but it's, uh, it's been another fun tournament. A lot of alumni teams again with random ringers. Marquette is, Another one with Elgin Cook, Marquette legend. Um, you have U of I legend Mike Dom, who had a, a, a big tournament for the House of Pain team. He was and, the House of Pain team. Yeah, I, yeah that's, that's kind of what I, what I think about when I, I think of Indiana potentially getting into this at some point. But as so we were saying before we started recording, Seton Hall alumni team, just from the, the Willard era, they would uh, – be able to make some serious noise. I would really enjoy that. I mean, there's just, there's so many guys that play overseas that people don't even know or forget about just because of how forgettable those teams were early on, but they, they could put together a decent squad. Like you could get Isaiah Whitehead to play in this tournament. I could, I guarantee it. Yeah. Delgado, all, all those guys. Um, and there's, there are so many more great players than, can play in the NBA like everybody in this tournament is still you know very very high level like Mike Don playing in the second best league in the world in Spain and coming here and I mean looking looking spelts lost a lot of weight didn't yeah. recognize the first kept mixing up him and Michael Finke he still play. has the slowest jump shot in the world but it's it's money largely effective um, but yeah, you had the Ohio State alumni team who they knocked out, the Purdue alumni team whose best player was not from Purdue, Dayton alumni team. Um, even even in the the abbreviated setting, a lot of these um, these teams from you know, former schools, Indiana. I'm I'm picturing a team of you know Mo Creek, Remy Abel. They're they're entrenched sideline cancer guys, so it'd be tough to get them out of there. But you know you get. Jordan Halls, who's winning MVPs overseas. Will Sheehy. James Blackman would be perfect in something like this. Christian Watford. 
throw Nick Zeisloft in there for some shooting, and then oh, yeah. you just get a random ringer big guy. Um, since that's a thing for alumni teams, and they'd be they'd be okay. But we'll have to see next year if they go back to having you know eight regionals, and then last year I think it was in Chicago the the semis and championship. But it's it's always extremely entertaining um, just to see all these guys that we followed in college and you know, coming back, you know, up to a decade later and still, still putting up numbers. Yeah. Maybe, maybe what we'll have to do on the uh, site is throw together our, uh, if we were a general manager, who our top picks would be of a roster for the basketball tournament for Indiana and Seton Hall. Might have to. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, you get you get to that that point where you don't want guys to flame out of the league, but if it happens, that would <laughs> it would be very helpful. Potential rosters, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But so that'll that'll be tonight. Sideline cancer. Um, Remy Abel, as I said, on that team as well. Marcus Keen, you might remember from Central Michigan, scoring mm-hmm. a million points a game. Diamond Stone was actually on the team. I think he got injured game one, so they've been without him for most of the tournament. Uh, for McGlynn, Eric Thompson. Um, so, you know, solid college players, but, you know, compared to some of the, the former NBA talent on some of the other other rosters, they were they were overlooked and underseeded a little bit. They have done a great job getting to this point and just one game away from <laughs> winning that million-dollar grand prize. It's always good to see – and Seth Greenberg really – digs into the weeds of this when he talks about these tournaments he really talks about them being programs and not teams for a tournament that happens once a year it's it's more or less true though and it is first of all Seth Greenberg and whoever the play-by-play guy he was with the other day they just had some of the worst chemistry I've ever heard (laughs) it's it's tough I'll I'll give them I'll give them this I'm sure you're sitting they're sitting in a studio in Bristol or somewhere and that's got to be tough. That's it. You got to try. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will say the, the timing is difficult in that regard. And I, I think Chris Fosters or something was trying to like set Greenberg up on, on a platter time and time again. But I just, there were about a million passive aggressive comments from Greenberg that like he just, he just wanted to be doing it with anybody else. But right. They're like, you, you look at all of the teams that Sideline Cancer has beaten to get to this point. They're all TBT originals um, with, with new players. Team Hines, former finalist, they picked up a guy like Ethan Happ this year. Didn't mm-hmm. matter. Challenge ALS, same thing. Former, uh, former semifinalist, at least Bayheim's Army. All former Syracuse guys. Brandon Trish. So getting some revenge for that Sweet 16 loss, which doesn't – doesn't do much for me now, but it, no. was, it was slightly satisfying to see. And then uh, overseas elite in the last game, another close one. Those are all all teams that have overseas elite came year two and just started dominating. But the rest of them from the beginning, and it's they they are programs, and it's not just like you know these are all guys we kind of know from college. Let's just roll the ball out and play. They're they're running sets. They've got. They've got coaches. They've got film sessions. They're doing. Uh, they're putting in the work. Is I mean, it's it's a million bucks. It's not. Yeah. It's, and it's not just for fun. So, so the reason I brought up Seth Greenberg, 
One, I think, actually, let me, let, me, let me start with this. I think the better choice for ESPN would have been Fran Fraschilla. I don't know if he... He does most of them, yeah. I wanted so. him to do it exclusively. Okay. Because he's the one that would actually give a damn and, like, really dig in and, like, talk about, you know, I was talking with Sideline Cancer about the film session this morning, and, you know, Remy Abel and Mo Creek were breaking down what their what their opposition is going to be doing with this that the other and it's like all right we're, we just want to watch the game we don't need to hear all all that but he gets in there he's fran for is the random international story guy which is perfect yes because most of these guys are playing overseas and yes. he'll just throw out like oh you just had a phenomenal season last year in like ukraine or where just my family and I were vacationing in Romania and we happened to catch one of his games where he was playing. That is, that is, you're, you're dead on. That's Fran Fischilla right there. The uh, international story. The, the original reason I brought it up is because like we talked about with sideline cancer, a lot of these, especially the original teams kind of have those like charitable sides to them, which is another interesting piece to the tournament because obviously like we said, a million dollars is nothing to you know nothing to scoff at, especially for playing what a two week turn. Obviously, longer in normal circumstances, but this yeah. is a week and a half, two weeks, whatever it may be. It's pretty pretty good paycheck for uh, for two weeks time. Right, and I mean a lot of these guys, even besides the charitable aspect that a team is setting aside, a lot of these guys with their you know, usually anywhere, to, depending on how they're splitted up, 75 to 100K, a lot of these guys are already are planning to, you know, use it for someone else. Like Remy Abel mm-hmm. was talking about how he he just has a, a newborn niece, so he would use his winnings to set up a trust fund for her, or stuff like that. It's like, right. if you ever fell ass backwards into this as a on Chicago team and won, my first thought would not be, like, how can I use this money to someone else? Just be like, yeah, let's, uh, let's maybe invest it and just make some fat stacks. But right. just a, a lot of, a lot of altruistic guys participating in this, which makes it that much better of an event, just playing for something bigger than themselves. And you know, it seemed like sideline cancer having that much success on and off the court is, uh, is a little bit of a, a team of destiny vibe. I would love it. I spent I- you know, the, the rivalry with Marquette is certainly budding and it is, it is alive and well. I would love to see Sideline Cancer win this one. Yeah, so, well, uh, I, I hope they, they get Tom Crean some more screen time in the final. They did for one of the Marquette games already, which was just a delight. Yes. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to see who he's rooting for in this one. But um, that'll, that'll be tonight again, as you said, on ESPN, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central. Um, and I, as I said, got a chance to catch up with Mo Creek for a few minutes earlier today to talk about the matchup, which already familiar with. The Golden Eagles ended Sideline Cancer's run last year in the Wichita Regional Final. Um, so here is Mo Creek. We now welcome on a very special guest, Mo Creek, joining us from the TBT bubble in Columbus. Start there real fast. Um, I mean, how how's life in the bubble been? From an outsider's perspective, it seems like done a pretty okay job keeping you guys safe. Yeah, uh, the TBT has done a great job with, uh, you know, having us in a safe environment. They, they've 
taking care of us on all aspects um, as far as the testing and uh, making sure we have food and everything like that. So it's been pretty good. So sideline cancer, 22 seed out of 24 teams. Going to be in the, the championship game. We listen to this tonight against the Marquette alumni team, Golden Eagles. You guys probably underseeded the way that you've played, knocking off some some established TBT programs. Um, what what has kind of come together this year? What is what has been working well for you guys? Uh, what happened last year? You know, we uh, most of us played with each other last year, so we had the. Uh, you know, a family figure type of deal with all of, uh, all of each other because we, we all was brought together at a certain time. So, um, you know, for us to win two games last year that were against top teams uh, in our region, it was just like did this year, you know. We played against the top teams and, um, you know, we just came out victorious, just kept believing in what we, you know, saying what we can do and, you know what I'm saying? We just, you know, we just kept up, kept winning. And, uh, you know, now I, I feel like we'll get a lot of respect, more respect than what we've been getting. And, of course, last game against Overseas Elite, you hit the dagger, send you guys into the championship game with, uh, you know, kind of an unorthodox setup with the Elam ending. Is there a more satisfying ending than kind of doing what you did and hitting a walk-off? Nah, I, I don't think it is. You know, that's what you dream of, just having uh, the time to shine, honestly. And, you know, uh, Remy hit one, Keen hit one, and, you know, they were really focused on Keen because of what he'd been able to do as far as scoring the basketball. Um, so it was it was good that I got that opportunity and, and could knock it down for these guys to take us to the championship. And now in the uh, in the championship game, you guys are playing a team you're familiar with. Marquette knocked you guys out last year, um, but obviously it's a it's a new year, new team. What are you guys looking forward to in that matchup? Is there anything that there that you think you might be able to exploit? Um, you know they're a great basketball team. Um, we're not really looking to exploit anything. We just want to play the way that we've been playing and the way that we got to the championship in the first place. Um, but they're a great team. You know, they've been playing with each other for years. They went to school with each other and everything. So they already have what they need to, to be a successful team. But, you know, we have what we need to be a successful team too. So it should be a great game tomorrow. I'm excited to play in it and be able to say that, you know, we are playing for a championship. And, and you got sideline cancer, obviously, playing for something bigger than yourselves. Um, one of a few, you know, teams for, for causes. Um, how, how did you get involved with kind of the, the program in the first place? Well, it started when um, me, Remy, and Jermaine all were in Finland together. Uh, we... Well, Jermaine and Remy were on one team, and I was on another team. So what ended up happening was we played against each other uh, when they came to, to my home, and they asked me to play with them in the summertime. So I had already wanted to play in the TBT, uh, but I never got a chance to play. You know, one of my teams from the D.C. area uh, didn't pick me up as far as playing for their team, and they went, had went to the Final Four. So – 
uh, for them to give me the opportunity and the shot to to play with them, um, you know, really brought me into the game, and I, I love TBT ever since. Awesome. And you kind of talk about coming together over the summer. Um, I you know probably to the uninitiated, it, it seems like a lot of former college stars just coming together and playing, but obviously these are actual teams. There's a lot of preparation that goes in. You can hear the coaches, you know, going ham from the sidelines. Might have been a little different this year with coronavirus, but what does kind of the, the preparation process look like in a typical year? Uh you know, just basically doing the same thing. If if it wasn't coronavirus, you know, the film sessions, the the working out, the, you know, teamwork and um, you know, just getting ready for a game by the best of your ability. And uh, you know, whatever you gotta do after workouts or after a game, you gotta go through everything that you've been doing to be successful in these type of tournaments. Austin, uh, last question I've got. Uh, you've obviously done a, a great job showcasing your, your talents on national TV. When this is over, do you, do you kind of know what's what's next for you professionally? I know there's there's probably some some uncertainty still with all the, the various leagues overseas, but do you kind of know what's what the next step is? I actually don't. Um, you know, we're just going to be patient and – take my time with the whole process. I uh, have not gotten an offer. Oh, I, I don't know if I got an offer or not from one, from a team to another, but um, I'm very patient. Um, and my time will come when it comes. And then when it's time to make a decision, I'll definitely sign for sure. Awesome. I, yeah, I would have to say, based on how you've performed, one of the best stories of TBT, I think if, if offers haven't come yet, they're, they're definitely going to. Um, Really appreciate the time. We're going to be rooting for you against Golden Eagles, and uh, best of luck in the future. Thank you. And we are back, and since he is too humble to say it, I will just be the one to say it. He has absolutely been balling out this entire tournament. Um, and as we said for for Jared Thomas, our last interview, got to think that the Mo Creek's going to get some more overseas offers once – basketball can begin to function again normally because you know people with with no no sports certainly no other basketball really happening he has definitely elevated his stock yeah I, th I think it's part of the buried lead of this tournament is that it is also a showcase for a lot of these guys and more specifically these foreign teams to kind of take a look scout out some of the talent and be like hey this why not take a shot on this guy who, who's playing well against high level of competition? At any point, you know, you could be looking at multiple all-stars in different European leagues or even, you know, as, as far as the G League and some deep bench NBA guys. So there, there's a lot that can come from this. There are, you know, a, a lot of factors at play, but in the end, it is also a really good chance for these guys to get on some radars and, and be given a shot at something bigger. And it's part of the, the challenge for being an American playing overseas is, for the most part, it's largely just year to year. Um, they're not, they're not mm -hmm. really handing out long-term deals like you would see in the NBA. So that's why you see guys a lot of times just hopping from country to country every year. Um, so that's just kind of an additional challenge with the world being in, I mean, chaos, or certainly America being in chaos and 
some of these players probably, you know, having having some challenges finding jobs. But Francis Trillis said about 15 times, Mike Don is going to get a look in the NBA, and a lot of a lot of these other guys are are probably going to get additional looks, um, especially you know going up against established players like a Joe Johnson um, and holding your own. That that can only help your stock, but. That'll uh, that'll be a great game tonight, and look forward to hopefully the events being back in, in full force next year if uh, things can can somewhat get back to normal. Yeah, we need we need to get a team in here. We need to figure out how to get a team in here. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be easy, but yeah, we uh, need to need to raise a lot of money slash boosters somehow to lose by. We've got our we've got our. Sharpshooter and Zeisloft. We just need to fill out the rest of the roster. Yeah, yeah. See, see if you can put in like 50 a game. Right. Get a nice start. Um, so, actual college sports, not looking great. No. We have the Ivy League canceling all fall sports. If you recall, they were out getting ahead of the original cancellations of the conference basketball tournaments. So this could potentially be a another sign of things to come. Yeah, not not great, obviously, um, to see Ivy League canceling. The Patriot League also canceled fall sports. So there is a second domino, although both FCS. So that could play a factor in what we're looking at here. It is troubling. It is not a good sign. I had famously said that the Ivy League overstepped their bounds this spring in, in March when they canceled the tournament and were overreacting to something that wasn't uh, as big a deal as they had made it to be. Hand up. I was wrong. Um, it takes a man to say that. I was wrong. So, so good on the Ivy League. Again, they, they, I'm not going to question it this time. I was, I was dumb the first time around. This time I'm going to sit and wait because all signs indicate that they are making the right move. We still have a few months before any of that needs to be decided or comes, comes to fruition. But at this point, I can't be mad about what the Ivy League has done. Maybe that they did it so early, but at the same time, you know, you got, ideally it's for the safety of the student athletes. And when you look at the FCS level, it obviously has to be for the safety of the students, because it's not like there are these huge TV ticket revenues that are on the line. And that's ultimately the problem. If, you know, just college in general, if you're worried about just the safety of your student body and you're going with some mix of in-person and online classes. If you're, if you're taking steps in that regard, you, you need to basically be doing the exact same thing with your athletes. You can't ask them to do more in that regard, especially if we're talking about like high contact sports like football. It's, just, mm-hmm. it's, it's not realistic. And like the, the Ivy League is making what at this point looks like you know, a sound, logical decision considering they are the ones with the researchers who, you know, know the most about this. You, you look at what other countries have said, like how, how have you been able to combat the virus 
so effectively, like, well, we just looked at the research that came out of Harvard and, you know, took that to heart, um, which, again, does not make us look great. But, you know, they, they are, uh, they're the, the smart ones. They, they have that reputation for a reason. So it seems like ultimately more and more conferences will follow suit. But for now, we are more or less rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic because we are going to conference only football games. I guess to like standardize how you're going to attack it as a conference. But if you're talking about having, you know, limiting travel and limiting it to a specific region, that might have worked in the original Big Ten, but right. now you're stretching from Nebraska to New Jersey. So you're cutting off, in effect, less than half of the country. Like, how much are we really expecting that to accomplish? Right. So I, I am intrigued to see how they do it because who, like, you have to fill out a schedule. Maybe they just shorten the season in general to, like, eight games or something or nine games and then a conference championship and bowls. I don't even think bowls can happen though, unless something drastically changes. But if you're doing conference only schedule, you're the big 10 who has already said that that's what they're going to do. Rutgers needs to play eight or nine games. Where are you finding them? It's obviously going to be the eight or nine closest, but at some point, you've got to imagine that they're either traveling to Illinois or Northwestern as one of those eight or nine closest games. And that's almost a thousand miles away. Yeah. And it's like the, I, I think what they were, the final goal was is 10 games. You have the nine conference games already scheduled and they have to find another one somewhere, whether it's just, you know, each team just adding an additional conference opponents, but yeah, like you're telling me that Indiana can't play Ball State, but they can play right. Rutgers. Illinois like can't play Illinois State, Maryland can't play any of the schools near them. You know, like Virginia, Virginia Tech, anybody that is right there. I don't know. It's it it, it makes sense until you give it like a second of thought. Right. Realize, like, yeah, the Big Ten isn't just a closely knit group of schools anymore. So, if this is early 2000s, go for it. Yeah. We're, we're all good. But now, well, maybe not the Mountain West back in the day, but everyone else is good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's looking like what you're saying with college basketball early season tournaments, you could do the Maui just – there i'd love love to see indiana at least do that it's, it's a great field this year um same with you know really really any other preseason or early season tournament you're going to do it's just everything after that is going right. to be challenging um and i don't love thinking about that it's it's tough because you can't like we've we've said before you can't just bring the student athletes back on campus yeah. <laughs> Because then it's like, all right, well, they're clearly just monetary puppets in the machine that uh, the NCAA has created. Well, they need to veil that with something showing other students there. But how do you keep student athletes from mingling with the rest of the student population? 
you can't really, can you? Yeah, I mean, they they 100% are monetary puppets, but if you're the NCAA, you can't say the quiet part loud. Exactly. That's, that's what you're struggling with. And yeah, like we've seen outbreaks already at college campuses. All it takes is one party. You can You can have all of the restrictions you want in place, but as former college kids, college kids are going to be college kids. They are. It's not super reasonable to expect otherwise. And it's at any level, like forget sports, same debate when you're talking about like opening elementary schools, you're not going to get a bunch of seven-year-olds to listen. You can't even get 47-year-olds to listen. Like, what are we doing here? I, yes, it's uh, it's it's big time Taylor Swellman post Trinidad and Tobago vibes. Big time, big time. <laughs> like that is that that could be about this, and it would still make complete sense. But that's two soccer references on this show. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the uh, that's the the sport that's been happening right now, albeit it mostly is. nationally. Uh, I yeah, it's, I, it's great. We need somebody. Nick Saban needs to come out and say that if we all wear a mask for the next yes. two months, no, but if he says straight up, like, if we stay home, wear a mask for two months, we will have football this fall, nobody is going out in the South. I, we, we're, we're past that point. It's like once, once people are not listening to Coach O and Nick Saban right. with wearing masks – and social distancing, like that was it. It it clearly does not just mean more in the SEC when you're not willing to make like a relatively small sacrifice just to have the thing that you are allegedly most passionate about. I completely forgot he yelled at the mascot for not having a mask. Yeah, Save it. I totally was, forgot about that. that. Was the whole thing. That was, that was a while ago at this point, too. It was two like, months ago. Yeah. And and clearly... Here we are. People in SEC country took that to heart. They did. Not saying that there are not, like, people... It's everywhere. Are, it's rampant like, everywhere. It's yeah, just that the spotlight is shining brighter on a certain region of the country now. Than, looking, looking at a map where cases are spiking. Right. It's It's SEC country. Um, but I, I did see someone on uh, on Twitter the other day, which made me made me feel things kind of in a reverse. It was like, if uh, love Alabama football, but if we miss out on that and just get Alabama basketball, I would not be mad. Just a, a reverse Indiana football fan, and that could that could very well happen. He uh, his his mentions were a nightmare, of course. But I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it was there there was no there's no introspection going on amongst anyone and it's uh it's it's worrisome we are, we are rapidly running out of time like yeah all of the all of the preseason literature and preview magazines a lot of it is is now obsolete because we're just getting rid of so many high profile matchups um in football and it's it's just going to keep rolling. We're just going to keep canceling more things until we can figure this out. And like, it's this is my thing now. This is my thing. We we see how poorly it's going now. Can 
the NCAA tournament committee come up with a backup plan right now so that we don't have to go through two years of no March Madness? So, yes. Yes if, should be the answer. Here, here is what I would love to see, and this will never happen, but if just hopefully it doesn't happen, but if you end up having to cancel the basketball season, you could still potentially salvage in a bubble an NCAA tournament with just like, you know, including the highest rated Ken Palm team in each conference and at large teams, there would be, there would be riots about who's included and who's not, of course, but yep. as a backup plan, I would not hate that. Just, just give me something. As, as long as Christian Lander did not reclassify in vain, that will, that will take me the most upset. We land Bryce Aiken, and he does not get to play a single game right. in a Seton Hall jersey. Oh my man! Like good, good sports things can be happening to to take away some of the despair that is just in our DNA at this point. But right, we need. Just uh, common sense. A modicum of buy-in would be. That's would be, it. Don't I don't ask for much. Try not to, but give me give me football. It's been we're four gonna, months gonna, of gonna, four months of this. Yeah, we're gonna. And have we still haven't learned. No, we. It's. I'm just gonna keep making pop culture references, but it's big time South Park. We didn't listen, except. Yeah. Nobody's realizing that. <laughs> right. Wait till wait till the next season of South Park when everyone looks back and they're like, oh my God, we were so fucking stupid. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, because that's that's a show that can just keep churning them out, no problem. They don't they don't have to be near each other. Right. Something to look forward to. Hey, this this year wasn't a complete waste. No, yeah. not at all. Uh, but that's uh, that's really that's really it for this show. Before we delve into a deeper depression, um, again, sideline cancer, Golden Eagles tonight, ESPN, million bucks at stake. Um, we are we are firmly team sideline cancer. Um, hope Mokri can take it home and basically uh, benefit pancreatic cancer research as well. Um, yeah, but that's, that's about all the sports we have to look forward to in our realm at this point. Just fingers crossed and, and hope people figure it out and some college football can happen because, as mentioned before, I do not want to completely lose my mind with no Indiana football. So, balls in your court, America. Make it happen.